Welcome to the Positive You Podcast, the podcast where we explore life circumstances, mental roadblocks, and endless opportunity to discover the positive you. I'm your host, Christy Murphy. I'm your other host, Brianna G. In today's episode, we're going to talk about personal identity and how challenging it can be to get it down on paper and why it's important to do so. So last week, we talked to you uh, saying what you really, talking about what you really want and being okay with that. And the mission we set for ourselves was to take small opportunities to say out loud what we wanted to happen for ourselves. And Christy, how did that go for you? You know, I actually feel like it went a lot better than I thought it would. I really anticipated that there would be a lot more naysayers. And now keep in mind, uh, at the time of this recording, we are in uh, sort of a um, uh, lockdown. We are in <laughs> sheltering in place. So right. there weren't as many opportunities, but the people I did talk to on the telephone who were close friends of mine, I let them know that I wanted to go into publishing and uh, because I looked at who I am and what I'm doing, which will tie a little bit later into this episode that we're going to be doing coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were incredibly supportive. And I just actually felt a lot stronger about, you know, that I want to make a lot of money and that I want to be successful. And, uh, so far, no no naysayers. Um, but I will say that uh, my significant other was, yeah, well, then just go out and do it, which isn't exactly <laughs> naysaying, but it was like, a, we'll see, you know, and it was because he knows, he knows me the most, do you know what I'm saying? So he knows mm-hmm. that, oh, is this what you're up to this week? Okay, mm-hmm. great. I support you. Mm-hmm. Let's see, you know, so uh, yeah, I think it went pretty well. What about you? Um, I also found that I didn't have any naysayers. So that was a wonderful, um, I don't know about surprise, but it was just really lovely to have people say, yeah, okay, I can see you doing that. Or that sounds like a great idea or just really the excitement um, that people had. So one of the things I, you know, was sharing more with people uh, was the fact that we're doing this podcast. Uh, and then another one was uh, just this uh, idea I've had for a while um, that I might like to uh, look at doing some sort of chaplaincy program. So um, learning how I can be more helpful to people and, and supportive to people. So um, I've not really said that out loud a whole lot, but the folks that I did share that with, it really it went over well. And just to have people be excited um, that you are trying something new, um, it, it was nice. It was just a really good opportunity to learn that it doesn't have to be scary to say what you want out loud. I know. I, what I found interesting is how after I said it the first couple of times, even just out loud talking to you, Mm -hmm. how it wasn't as scary as I went on and how I wasn't as concerned with what people had to say about it. Mm -hmm. And moreover, how more committed I I am to going in that direction. Like I feel um, more committed than Mm -hmm. I would have been had I just kept it to myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things we're hopefully going to be able to talk about um, with this identity episode as well is Once you say it out loud, it is like a commitment to yourself. I am a very, I mean, I guess people would call it like a heady person. So I just kind of let my thoughts, my thoughts kind of just stay in my head. And I I have a tendency to overanalyze and overanalyze until I have like looked at it from every angle, but there's not always a lot of action that follows that. So 
saying it out loud means you're committing to this idea. And even if you try it and don't like it or get down the road and you're like, you know what, maybe that's not for me. In that moment, you're committing to saying, you know what, this is what I want for myself. And once you say it out loud, you start to see whether or not you truly do. And then you start to see these little signs and opportunities to follow that. And also, I think saying it to people out loud holds you accountable uh, because eventually someone's going to say, hey, what about that thing you said you wanted to do or that you wanted for yourself? Um, How's that going? And, you know, you're going to have to say something about it. You know, and it's interesting because we are two different type of people in that, like, you have a very strong follow through. So you're not, you don't want to be a quitter. And that, I guess we can talk a little about that, that when it comes to identity. And for me, I have a tendency to have a lot of ideas and then go running around chasing them because I'm distracted by things. And by committing and saying, this is what I want out loud, even when an opportunity came for me, like there was a work opportunity, uh, we're going back to work, but they're going to have me, you know, handle some of the things on the job that I was getting really excited about, but they wanted to do it in a way that wasn't as committed as I wanted. I wanted to go full hog and go crazy because that's how I attack ideas. Mm -hmm. And I realized, um, and I was getting sort of upset that people weren't signing up for more work because it would be get more value out of our uh, endeavor if we were to all do this. And I realized it's really basically busy work while we wait to open again. Mm -hmm. And also because I've shown my commitment to building my own business And I realized I'm not looking to fulfill that need by investing so heavily in their business. And it's their business. They get to decide that they don't want to buy into this project that big. Mm -hmm. And that it benefits me better to go small um, on this, to just Mm -hmm. do the work that they're looking to have happen. So, um, you know, once I worked that out in my mind and it took a good day, Mm -hmm. I realized, oh, wow, their way of doing this is better for both of us. Mm and I mean, well, it took me all week, actually, until we spoke just before this podcast to really get into that. But right. I did, did say that I didn't push as hard to sort of sway them to do what I wanted, because I realized what I really want is to run my own business. I don't need to run a division of theirs. Correct. You know what I mean? Especially when they don't need me to do that, or they don't want me to do that, regardless mm-hmm. as to what they think they need. And so I found for me that commitment kept me, gave me a greater focus. Mm-hmm. There's a bigger picture to my life that I didn't have even just a, you know, a week or two ago before we first started discussing this. Mm-hmm. And that is the great thing too. And I know we talked a little bit about um, having to be careful uh, with who you share those, those ideas or the, those thoughts with. Um, but when you do find the right people, they, I mean, obviously one of the great things is they're a sounding board. And so can help you either see it or ask questions that help you see something from a different view. So you can get to those places where you think, oh, wait, no, you know what? I don't have to necessarily do it in this way. I can still do it. You know, I can still do it like this. And that's good. Um, So I do think that the sharing it aside from getting it out of your head and kind of giving it a life of its own, the sharing it also just can help you uh, get into it more and deeper and find ways that are going to help you along that path. Yes, I I completely agree. And I find that it also, um, you know, because, you know, I'm not living the ideal life of my dreams, right? So there's like my side job that I have that Mm -hmm. helps me pay for my bills. And I will say that I'm more happier in my uh, B job, as some people would say, 
because I see how it feeds into my bigger picture. Mm-hmm. I'm more grateful for the money. I'm more grateful for the opportunity now to even work a little more to make more money because I have more money to invest mm-hmm. in building my own business. Because right now, you know, advertising and capital is kind of what I, you know, what I need mm-hmm. uh, at this point in my digital publishing business. So it's just really interesting to see how one, I let myself know that I can fulfill my own like entrepreneurial goals into myself. So I don't have to take that into my work. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? When they're not even asking for it in its entirety mm-hmm. and two, how I'm happier, you know, being an employee while I wait for my opportunity to make my own thing happen. Right. And all of that comes from, all of that comes from being able to, you know, in that moment, say what it, what it is that you truly want, which is that you want to run your own publishing company. So I think that that's, that is, of course, that to me is the um, kind of like a shining example of how saying out loud what you want to the safe and right people can really help you along that path. And it also, like when it was just like a vague idea that I wanted to be more successful in a monetary way, very specifically in the money way. I've been very successful and rich in life experiences and rich in family and friends. Hello, Brianna. (laughs) Um, However, I have always, and I'm very good at being a happy person with my very modest means. And I still want more money because money allows me to do projects in a bigger way and also allots me some just general comforts. Mm-hmm. Although when I add up materially the things that I want, I mean, I don't even, I think I maybe spend $150 a year on hair and makeup combined. I'm just not a stuff person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't even know what I want to spend the money on outside of the business I want to build. Right. Like literally everything I want is because I want a better computer for the business. I want this new thing. I want a better set of editors. I want to have more beta readers. I want to help more authors. I like genuinely, when I looked at it, I thought at first on the surface, just thinking I wanted more money meant that I was being more selfish. Mm -hmm. But the truth was what I want the money for is to build something bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't realized that. And so I started talking and then when I talked to like a friend of mine who recently sold the rights to one of his books, or I should say went into a deal with the rights of one of his books, I just flat out asked him, which I was afraid to do, you know, if I were to have wanted to publish that book for you, um, you know, what would it have taken? Like how much would I have had to offer you for it? Um, And he said, I would have given you the book over them for just the percentage you were going to give me Um, because he saw the success that I had with my own Mm -hmm. books. And I hadn't realized that I was that far along if I had not just put it out there. And I looked at the work his other publisher did. And to be honest, I I really do believe I would have sold more books for him and made him more Mm -hmm. money. I really believe that in my heart. And I, and even just saying that out loud, because now I know other people are going to listen, (laughs) that might make me feel, um, that makes me feel conceited. Mm -hmm. But but in my heart, I know it's true. And I put it out there on like a conference call when I just talked about, you know, we're talking business goals. And I said, um, and it's like a new group that I joined. And I said, you know, I've decided to go from being a self-published author to being a publisher because I can't write books fast enough to market the way I want to. And I'd rather do that. And two people asked for my number when that had never happened before. Right. Right. So saying what you want opens the door, usually can open the door for you to to getting it because it allows other people to step in and help you along 
that path. And I feel like I keep saying the word path, but I think that that's very true. You find the next person, you say something, you find the next person who's going to help you just a little bit farther along and a little bit farther along, whether it is, you know, potential clients for you in this case, potential clients, um, just finding new information about how to uh, figure out how you want to do it and the, the things that you're going to need to get there. In just that short amount of time, simply telling people, I want to do this thing, set in motion um, the things that are hopefully going to take you, take you there and get you that so that you can um, be living from so that you can be living from that place. And I just, I think that's so exciting. It is exciting. It's almost to the point where I didn't think I was in a position to solicit authors mm -hmm. yet because I needed to work on a few things that I want to do, but other people are of the opinion that I mm -hmm. am. They, they want to send me, like they've already sent me like one mm -hmm. person, they, one person, let's say, has sent me like some samples of his work and other people are asking for my numbers so much so that I, feel a need to hurry up and get ready sooner than I would have so that I can capitalize on some of this good fortune. Mm -hmm. And I do think that that's one of the things kind of that's out there um, is that when you, you know, when you finally admit what you want, when you're living from that kind of authentic place, the opportunities tend to flood in. And that's a little bit how you know that you're in flow or you're on the right path or you're, you know, you're, you're, you're really following that feeling and it's the right thing for you. Um, you, you incur or you, um, you encounter, I guess, less, fewer roadblocks. And I would say that, you know, just in the short amount of time between, you know, putting it out there as our mission and now you're, you're living that and you're seeing that, 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 that that's an opportunity. And I think it's great. You know, and what's interesting is you brought up like authentic place and living it. And I think that ties really nicely into this week's discussion, which is about identity. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, we, you know, when we were trying to think of what was going to be the next episode, that idea that, again, you have to get it out of your head and out into the world to really, truly uh, be living it and to be living from an authentic place. So I'm excited and looking forward to being able to uh, talk about that and just what experiences we've both had with trying to make that happen, as well as looking ahead to the challenge that we're setting for ourselves in the next week. So that brings us to this week's topic, which is on identity. Uh, Brianna, what does it mean to have an identity? Um, I don't know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, the reason I, you know, when we talked about this, the reason I wanted to just talk about it, I guess, is it's just been cropping up for me a lot in the last couple of weeks to months. Um, and truthfully, not something that I really thought about much before being asked to sit down and write an identity statement. So it first came up for me um, in a Bible study class. And then it came up for me again in a leadership class that I'm taking. And it really was an interesting um, exercise again in taking things from this kind of heady space of the ideas I have about myself to trying to get them out 
on paper. Um, and what I really came to understand is when you get it out and into the world, if you're going to be a person of, an, of integrity, uh, you really need to be living from that space. You know, it's interesting because when you, you this, this idea for the topic, particularly this week, uh, is something that you suggested as a topic and I jumped on it because I, in, 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 during when we were talking about what it is we really want, it very much ties to who are you and who mm-hmm. do you think you are? Um, mm-hmm. And it's weird because sometimes the who do you think you are is uh, can be a very loaded question for me. Like it's a shaming question where I like when I try to be proud of myself or put it out there, there's that like evil voice is like, who do you think you are? But then mm-hmm. but to genuinely when oh, and I'm going to say I like your, your saying of these when you're when things are coming from an authentic place instead of when you're being your true self. Do you know what I mean? Which <laughs> sounds hokey to me sometimes. I'll, I'll say that it does become a question of who am I? And I do, mm-hmm. I've been one of these people who's always focused on what I'm not because there's mm-hmm. this deal where I feel like whatever my assets are, um, mm-hmm. that that's just a given. Everybody can do that. And the mm-hmm. things I'm not good at, why that's why I haven't become more successful sooner. And I had gone into this, uh, it's the, they're called the Clifton strengths that the Gallup the people who do those Gallup polls do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, do what I do when it's at three o'clock in the morning and I'm surfing the internet trying to discover who I am. Uh, I fall into this <laughs> thing where I've heard it on a podcast about writers. And then I, you know, I want to take this survey and I'm taking this, you know, this half hour survey and then identify some of my strengths. Um, and I realized, you know, because there were some things, I had some weaknesses that were getting in the way of me just being able to wake up in the morning. You know, I have a brain mm-hmm. that runs, um, that runs a little anxious and sad. And it had kind of overwhelmed me to the point where it didn't matter what my strengths were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was falling apart. So I wasn't getting anything done. And, and I have many friends who are friends of Bill that realize that they have a lot of strengths, but they have like a couple of, you know, what they might say in a 12 step program, defects of character that mm-hmm. can get in the way of those strengths. Mm-hmm. But once those issues are resolved, like alcoholism or, you know, some codependency issues that I have, uh, some uh, genuine anxiety issues that I've learned some tools to dealing with. Then once I resolve those, this constant like looking at what I can't do and Mm -hmm. labeling myself and identifying with myself as Mm -hmm. a person, instead of saying I'm a person who thinks to the future a lot, I'm the person who doesn't learn my lessons is what I think. Or instead of thinking I'm a person who comes up with a lot of great ideas is I'm the person who doesn't have any follow through. Mm -hmm. And by focusing on my lack of follow through, which is I can't follow through on every idea I have. I have too many. Uh, Mm -hmm. And not all of them really deserve that follow through, frankly. I can Mm -hmm. think of several relationships that I tried to follow through on (laughs) that were inherently a bad idea. And I had a tendency to just exclusively pick the bad ideas to decide to follow through on. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but now that I've resolved those issues from my youth, um, I can see how identity can't, because like, for instance, we were talking about what we really want. And I, you know, I want to be in business. I want to make a lot of money in business. And the identity of being a publisher, in addition to being a writer, genuinely gives focus to my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it is the help, I look at it as getting it out on paper, is, is nothing more than a tool to help you along. So when I think about it for myself, of course, right, you want to think that you're a good person. But what does that really mean? I think it's, it's very vague. 
um, and it doesn't always help you in the moment. So I had the opportunity recently in this leadership class to sit down for an extended period of time and really start just free writing about my identity and what it is I'm good at, being honest about some of the areas of opportunity for improvement, but really focusing more on who is it, not only who I am, but also who it is that I want to say that I am. So maybe if I'm not quite there just yet, um, here, here's what I'm moving towards. And I think one of the things that I have been learning is that once you can get that down on paper, again, getting it out of your head to be out and in the real world and having its own life, so to speak, um, it's your roadmap, but also it's an inspiration. So if I say, you know, I'm the kind of person that gets up and every morning I run five miles, which let's be honest, is not going to be me. But if I am, <laughs> if I am, that's, I was like, I that's an impressive person in my book. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're very impressive. Um, but if I say that that's who I am, then why I, then I need to start living from that place. I need to start living as if I am that person who gets up and runs five miles a day. And obviously if I've never ran before, I'm not going to do that the first day out but I am the person who runs five miles a day. So I'm going to consistently live from that space and work on meeting that goal and becoming, um, becoming that person. And I think, uh, again, for me, just writing things down, uh, really helped to bring focus to that. And then, uh, from there helps me to see, okay, so if this is who I say I am, what is it going to take me to get there? And then you can really put some con uh, concrete um, goals and actions into place for yourself. You know, and it's such identifying like identity. I mean, they even talk about identity politics as a way that, you know, they're selling entire philosophies and ideas. And it sometimes can be uh, less than productive, you know, because people but on a on a different marketing level, they I've read studies where, okay, so people are called like believers, like people who are Justin Bieber fans or believers instead of believers. Mm -hmm. And people who are like uh, Taylor Swift fans are called Swifties. Mm -hmm. And as you would know, uh, in the duration of trying to be more authentic, uh, even despite the fact that I, I like to listen to a lot of emo alt bands, <laughs> I have come out of the closet as a Taylor Swift fan uh, mm -hmm. to people I know much. Uh, there were many a naysayer, I'll tell you mm -hmm. that. Um, but I like Taylor Swift. There it is. But I don't call myself the Swifty yet because the second that I thought I was going to be a Swifty, I went, you know, you haven't bought any of her albums. You just watch her stuff on YouTube. Mm -hmm. You don't even follow her on Instagram or like, okay, so well, I'm going to follow her on Instagram. That's free. Uh, and it's just like, wow. So just thinking of myself as being a Swifty instead of a person who likes Taylor Swift mm -hmm. changes how much more committed I am. Like if I call myself a Swifty, I'm buying more records. Right. It's that powerful of an idea. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and sometimes it can be a limiting idea because sometimes I can think of, like I can say to myself, I'm not athletic. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm more of a bookworm. And I'm creating this dichotomy between being a reader and being a person who is athletic and healthy mm -hmm. um, that doesn't serve me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when creating an identity or, or it's a very it's a very powerful thing to be, to, to do, but you, it's also a very 
easy thing to fall into and it can create false choices in your life that don't have to exist. It's a very powerful tool that should be used consciously, not so subconsciously. Uh-huh. Right. Because you, it's so easy to just make an offhanded remark about what it is you like nowadays. It feels like every, you know, it feels like what you, what you hear is people love something Um, they're totally into this or that, which is fine, you know, be into what you're going to be into. Um, But what I feel like for myself is I can't really, there's not a lot out there that I can say that I love in that way that is, you know, kind of, I will pick this thing over anything else. Um, And I feel that way about identity. I can't say, um, like you said, like you were talking about being a Swifty, um, I can say I'm a good person. That's super vague. So what does that really look like? Well, I want to be a person who um, works towards uh, helping others find opportunities for themselves in their lives. I'm a person who wants to, or I'm a person who fights for um, justice for others. These are things to me that make up what it means to be a good person. Um, And that's my personal thought. So I'm not putting that out there for anyone else. I'm just saying for me personally, that's, that's what I'm looking at. Um, and then I have to get real about, well, in my everyday life, am I, am I living from that space? And am I doing those things? Am I doing things that are going to be helpful to others, helping them find opportunities, helping them make their lives better? Am I doing things in my life that are, um, from a justice standpoint, you know, helping, helping people in that way. Um, and if I'm not, uh, and sometimes I'm not, uh, living from that space, I need to figure out why, uh, and either fix it or stop saying I'm a particular type of person. Yes. And I like, and I mean, this is called the positive view podcast Mm -hmm. and I like the idea of defining yourself by what you do, what you are, that identity instead of what you're not. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that negative identity, well, I'm not the kind of person, is closing off parts of your life instead of the positive identity, I am the person who does these things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exclude other opportunities. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who are like, well, I'm not the kind of person who would do insert thing. And then something, some version of that thing that they actually may enjoy slips into that and they're blind to it mm-hmm. because they've defined themselves by what they aren't instead right. of what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a slight difference, but by saying I enjoy reading, I'm not saying I'm not athletic, which is actually, um, I, I, I'm getting to say it. I'm not athletic. Like I'm going to say <laughs> that. And it's like, why are you doing that? Christy? I'm boxing myself in. I could, I can say this. Uh, I grew up in a childhood where uh, my siblings and cousins and families were uh, very much um, good at the sports mm-hmm. and the stuff. And uh, I try to, I'm going to say try out. I've almost said audition um, for <laughs> basketball. And as we know, because I'm not a quitter, you know what I, mean? mm-hmm. I foolishly follow through. I mean, I told you the story. I went to basketball practice every day waiting to be cut because 10 minutes into the running while I was getting ready to vomit. And I kept running because I'm not a quitter. I do what I'm told is that's what 
uh, I realized this was a terrible mistake. I should go back to the academic games, games team where I belong. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't quit because Murphy's aren't quitter, also an identity thing. So I keep running. Every day I'm looking on the cut list for, which is a new term. I'd only learned it just for basketball. Right. And um, my name wasn't on it. And then it got to the end of basketball tryout season or however, and I don't know how long it is to this day. I don't know. Was it a week? Was it three weeks? It felt like a lifetime. <laughs> it just felt incredibly long at the end of it um, because I guess I tried so hard, but that's just because Murphy's are quitters. So there's that identity thing. Um, I looked on the last cut list and I couldn't find my name. Uh, and so I thought, Hey, uh, was I on one of the earlier cut lists, but I was so tired from vomiting and running that I didn't see it. And I've just been showing up and nobody's been telling me to go. Like, mm -hmm. am I that mm -hmm. weird kid who wouldn't leave? Uh, and then the coach comes up to me and offers me third string basketball, which apparently doesn't really exist in the way basketball systems work. I don't know anything about it. Um, but apparently he's like, you'll never play in a game and you'll never like, but you can get the uniform because I never saw anybody who wanted it so bad. And I was just like, this, <laughs> this isn't the movie Rudy. Do you know what I mean? I, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going back to the Agano games team where I win mm -hmm. and I belong. Like mm -hmm. I'm back to the orchestra. This is not, um, and I could have said basketball isn't for me because it definitively was not for me. Um, not, not only was I not good at it, I really didn't enjoy it. I mean, it made me physically ill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I decided at that moment, I'm not at all athletic, period. End of story. And as a result, I've had some health issues from my sort of veal-like existence. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Instead of just saying, I obviously have other pursuits in uh, the field of physical fitness that I should enjoy, I'll look to those. I just closed off an entire thing because of one. Now that was a major, I mean, I, I had, I had like the equivalent of a Charlie horse in my abs from the sit-ups. <laughs> like it was terrible. I just limped and crawled in all of it. And I kept going back. Like I mm -hmm. don't, I don't have that type of tenacity today, or maybe I do. I've just got to dig deep, but uh, yeah. So I feel as if uh, I've had a history of not being athletic, but if I would have changed that to more, just got more into, I'm great at academic games. I'm a really great violin player. At the time, instead of just say, I'm not athletic, I am doomed to mm -hmm. all things where you sweat and vomit and do sit-ups. Um, <laughs> and then also, you know, the presidential fitness, you know, pull-up thing, which I've never been able to do in the history of my life. Um, but I'm sort of a bottom-heavy person. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how that all works. <laughs> I have no idea how any of that works. <laughs> but it was just like, but, you know, perhaps there was a sport for me, like mm -hmm. somewhere I'm assuming it wouldn't have a ball. Uh, yeah. Cause that part was not good, but mm -hmm. maybe, or running. I don't know what other sports that was into play. I don't know. Maybe I could have, maybe you could have been a speed walker. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I could have been a speed walker. Mm -hmm. It is a thing. And mm -hmm. it's a healthy thing. It is. I think or even a stroller or a right. dirt bike rider or something. I don't know. Right. A stroller. <laughs> Is that, is that I a thing? Think, like, I, I mean, it's a thing, but it's not what you're thinking. It's not what I said. <laughs> um, I do think, though, when you don't necessarily have that uh, foundational sense of your identity, those things like you're talking about, um, focusing more on what you 
aren't or the negative can easily sneak in and before you know it kind of take over your life. And I think I had maybe the opposite experience. Um, First of all, I am a big reader and I love the books, but uh, in high school I did play sports and I considered myself an athlete and I loved it. Um, Well, I loved most of it. Uh, And then I had an injury and kind of spiraled after that. And then all of a sudden it was like, I couldn't play in the way that I used to be able to play. And I just kind of, it almost like um, stepped away from kind of that lifestyle, which closed the door to a lot of activity uh, to me for a really long time, um, cut to, you know, 20 years later. And I'm trying to do these really fun outdoor things, um, but find myself um, pulling back from them because I, I feel like, oh man, um, I'm not an outdoorsy person or I don't have the endurance to be able to do X, Y, and Z, or I don't have, and I know I talked about it before, I don't have the body type to be a kayaker, whatever. Um, these new kind of thoughts came in. Um, and because I'd kind of forgotten that earlier, um, those earlier experiences or pushed them, you know, back and suddenly began to identify myself as not an active person, it became really challenging um, to kind of motivate myself to do some of the more active things that I really wanted to do. And eventually, I feel like I started saying things out loud to people, going back to talking about what you want. Um, And they were people who then were very lovingly challenging, saying, well, hold on a second. If you're saying you want to hike and camp and do all of these things, um, then why aren't you doing them? And I had to get very honest with myself to say, yeah, I do say that a lot. Um, I do say those things a lot. So that must mean that I really am interested in it. And I at least need to give myself the opportunity to, um, to try it, to see if I like it or not. And if I do, then start to live from that space of, yes, I am an active person and I am an outdoorsy person and I love doing these things. And I use that term purposely, I do love to be outdoors. Um, but it, I had to fight through a, you know, a couple of decades of an identity as an inactive, not very outdoor capable person, uh, to get to this place where just now I'm starting to learn, you know, things like kayaking and how to camp safely and (laughs) do all of these things that are just really, really fun. Um, that I would miss out on if I had continued to allow my identity to kind of be written by uh, or be influenced by the negative. And it's so interesting that you say that because I, a lot of people don't challenge me on my, uh, what I call, I'm an indoor cat kind of person. Now (laughs) I I have very bad rashes when I go out and I sweat a lot. (laughs) I just, I, I, I do not, I can honestly say, I don't know that I love most of the outside. I'm not into, Mm -hmm. do you know what I'm saying? So you know, interestingly enough, I've been coping with um, uh, sheltering in place a lot better than many people are coming to me for tips on that <laughs> because I'm very good at this. Um, you know, this is by a opportunity. This is, you know, this is what I've been training mm-hmm. for, as they say in the memes. But um, I will say that when I told other people my, you know, because it's part of my my shtick, 
uh, is to eventually, if you know me long enough, you will hear my basketball horror story. Mm -hmm. Uh, The time where I decided I was going to redefine myself and how wrong that went. And when I tell this, particularly people who are athletic, when they hear that story, they don't take from it you're hopelessly not athletic. Mm -hmm. All they hear is, wow, you're not a quitter. Wow, way to fall. Like they think I'm like this weirdly dedicated person, Mm -hmm. like a person who just doesn't stop trying. Mm -hmm. And that would have been a really helpful identity for me to take from Mm -hmm. that. But I took, um, yeah, anything where you move the body or sweat a little is bad. Right. You know what I mean? Like I just went, uh, and I've always been very funny with that. Um, And I don't know that that's, necessarily uh, going to be in service to me. And what I completely forgot when you were talking about things that you love where you move, I, um, I, you know, I got into this dance class and to this day as a 48 year old woman, I still dance around my living room and my bedroom as mm-hmm. a form of just general entertainment for myself, which is something that I think people only do when they're teenagers. And I have to say that if I had more money and when I have more money, I actually believe that dance classes, like I want a dance instructor because all the dance classes in my local community are all for children. Um, Cause uh-huh. I've looked into it several times. I'm like, really grownups don't dance. Cause uh, I'm 48. I'm finally willing to admit that I listen to pop songs and like Taylor Swift style and that I still dance around my living room. Like that would be a perfectly uh-huh. legitimate form of exercise. Like, but I've decided I wasn't athletic and I didn't like to move or anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I think, well, first of all, let me just say, I too love to dance. Uh, and I identify as one who enjoys the dancing quite a bit. Um, I do think though, there are those things that we, I don't, and I don't know even how those ideas, first of all, come about. And then why they are so um, pervasive and stick around for so long. So those more negative, uh, the, the more negative uh, identity traits, what is it about them that just make them so strong and tenacious that they are just going to stick with you for years and years, potentially forever. Um, when, if we just take like a slight turn and look at what the positive spin on that is, um, you know, we can create very different experiences for ourselves and live from a very uh, different, more positive, more, sometimes I think more fulfilling place. And I think it all comes down to when it, when we're talking about like that positive view, I do think it's, it takes practice. I mean, we've both really worked hard to, um, bring awareness to when we are being a little bit more negative uh, and taking the steps in the moment to reframe that. And I think we're able to be at the space now where we can admit things like we like to be outdoorsy and we like the Taylor Swift um, (laughs) because you, you get to a point where you see like you really have to ask yourself, what do I want my life to be like? And what do I want my identity to be? And do I really want to be the person who there's, you know, negatives in front of every identity trait? Not really. Um, now that's not to say I'm 
fooling myself about who I am or what I can do or, um, you know, I guess who I can, who I can be. I don't, I'm not for like self delusion in any kind of way, but I think those delusions can go both ways. And, um, to really just be clear about like, love yourself a little bit, maybe. I know that sounds kind of hokey, um, but just admit that you maybe are good at some things and why not live out of that space? Uh, Cause I, I feel it's just going to be better uh, for you and it's just going to feel better. And I think one of the things about the negative identity, well, one, sometimes I'm setting up a false and I have to be conscious of it, a false dichotomy. Being a reader doesn't mean that I am not outdoorsy, right? Mm -hmm. Being uh, not Mm -hmm. good at basketball does not mean I'm not athletic. It means I'm not good at basketball. That's what that means. Um, And Mm -hmm. I find that it's very easy when I feel insecure about something, a trait that I do not possess. For instance, I come from a family of athletic people, not just my immediate family, uh, my brother, my sister, both very athletic, my father, my mom, all of them, all athletic. And then just like (laughs) me, I have an adopted cousin who is more Murphy like in her athleticism and even looks more like a Murphy than I do. Do you know what I mean? And she, I didn't even know that she was adopted for forever. And I'm like, but she fits in better than me. Like I felt weird. Mm -hmm. And the more insecure I am about something, the easier it is for me to slip into the, I'm not that. Do you know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. I feel like me not being that was highlighted at me. And then I decided to try Mm -hmm. and turn that into identity. Like when I was a Mm -hmm. kid, um, there was this weird concept that, and they've really done a good job in this new generation of getting rid of that. That if you didn't fit in, if you were a misfit, that meant you were somehow like they tried to turn it into I'm deeper. The popular kids are shallow. Do you know what I mean? You wanted to create Mm -hmm. that that concept, that false dichotomy. And the truth is you could be a jerk and a misfit and you could be popular Mm -hmm. and deep. Like these things don't have to exist. But one of the lures Mm -hmm. of a negative identity for me was at least to find a sense of community because I couldn't find Mm -hmm. a sense of community in my school um, amongst being, you know, like there was, there were nerdy kids and that, that those were my kids, you know, it wasn't like I was mm-hmm. a musician or, and I think a lot of times, um, like the newer generation, like the younger generation, which almost to me feels like they have too much self-esteem. I don't, I think it's more <laughs> of a, a discussion for, um, that says a lot about me. I think that says a lot mm-hmm. about me. Not, I think it, well, that sells sense ton, although it does say a little bit about them too. Uh, but I will say, I think they are doing a better job of not setting up those false dichotomies and allowing to people Mm -hmm. to be who they are. You don't have to be Mm -hmm. just uh, male or female. You don't have to be just straight or gay. You you can Mm -hmm. be on a spectrum, which I think Mm -hmm. allows for a lot more opportunity for us all to be, uh, you know, to live from a more authentic authentic place, to use your phrase that I like so Mm -hmm. much. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think, too, there is a little bit, um, sometimes I feel like I go for the more negative picture um, out of some need to have this false sense of humility, maybe. I'm not sure if that's quite the right phrase, but this idea that somehow if I'm saying that I'm not good at something, um, it's showing, it's proving to the world that I'm, that I'm a humble person and I don't think too much. I worry a lot a lot about 
being arrogant or conceited. Yes. <laughs> um, and so I think that I have a tendency to downplay some of the positive aspects of myself and or my abilities so that it doesn't doesn't come across as being arrogant or um, a, a phrase that was, you know, big when we were kids is, you know, don't be big. Big headed. Exactly. Um, that was like the biggest crime you know? ever from my, my Filipino mom was to be big headed. <laughs> right. And so there is there is a, a part of me, I think, that retreats to that place um, pretty easily because then at least it means I'm not full of myself. I'm not conceited and I'm not arrogant. But what that does then is it then robs me of these positive things uh, about my identity. It robs me of so sometimes uh, the really foundational things I feel about myself and my identity um, and then keeps me, um, just holds me back. Uh, and then I think sometimes I can erode your confidence in other things, but there is, there is a need to be humble. I, I'm not in any way <laughs> um, railing against humility because I think it's important. But if it's, if you're, again, not coming from a place of authenticity, then is it, is it really something that's beneficial for you? So I think it's okay. What I'm learning in these last couple of years is it's okay to be honest about the things that you're, um, the things that you're good at. It's okay to be honest about the things that you want um, and then figuring out how you're going to get there. None of that necessarily makes you a conceited or arrogant person. It just lets you be firm and confident and live from a, a I guess, an authentic place. You know, it's so interesting that you should say that because, yeah, for me being big headed, I was very uh, gifted in school. You know, I the good test scores for a while until, you know, my anxiety got the better of me and then my, my grades dipped, but I always had mm -hmm. the, um, the gift of being able to understand concepts quickly. I've always been a fast reader. I, the lecture, uh, regurgitate information style of learning that the U S school system does that system works very well with my natural learning capabilities. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, it was always very easy to me to not have to study and get relatively good grades or, you know, just scrape in there a couple of times and, and, and do all right. But mm -hmm. I did find that um, by being a smart person, sometimes people would feel stupid around me. And so I would do things like I was bullied for being like ruining the curve. Like if everybody, the concept of grading on a curve is if I get a hundred in my class, that 100% is the A. But if I would have gotten mm -hmm. a 70 like everyone else, that would have been the A. So there was mm -hmm. a lot of times in some of my classes where, you know, the students felt very shortchanged that they were in my class. Because if they were in the class after mine, they would have an A, if not for me, mm -hmm. which made it very right. um, uncomfortable to be me. So I was always hiding my papers. Or I remember, um, you know, just a kid saying something weird about, me always confidently raising my hand. And so I started mm -hmm. doing things to not be so full of myself by pretending yep. I didn't know the answer and hesitating mm -hmm. and hiding my good grades and doing all these things. And, you know, um, my anxiety started to get greater and greater. And the danger is once you start playing really small, you become small. Mm -hmm. uh, and it took me a very long time. And I'm wondering if I still am 
um, recovering from the concept of playing small. It's mm-hmm. very hard to do. I very much tied to, I don't want to be called, I mean, I think it has something to do slightly with being a woman. I don't want to be called mm-hmm. bossy. I don't want to be labeled a bitch. <laughs> I don't want to be mm-hmm. pushy or too aggressive or calculating or any of those words that they use uh, about women who are strategic or, uh, you know what I mean, assured. And mm-hmm. how does that get me where I want to go? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that hits on the other, another thing that's important uh, to look at as far as your identity is, is it really coming from you? Because I think the other piece that, like you were just explaining, is we so, well, maybe not so often, but we sometimes develop our identity um, based on someone else's problems, not our own. Um, So, you know, if someone has a problem with an individual who has leadership capabilities and very straightforward and great problem solver. Um, and, and, and they have a problem with that. So they're going to label it as bossy. Now you're pulling your identity from someone else's problem. And I too have the, the struggle sometimes with the bossiness. And I know that I can be bossy. (laughs) Like I get it. So I'm working on, you know, leveling that out a little bit but I sometimes worry so much about coming across as bossy um or or having other people think that about me that I miss all of those good things or positive things and don't necessarily operate from there so problem solving the ability to stay calm under pressure um these things that I feel like go go along with being a good leader all of that gets wiped out by one individual or even a group of people or whatever. Um, Just having a problem with my particular style and putting on this label. And then I take on that label and that identity and then start to shrink back from who it is I really am. And then, you know, I'm not necessarily, I'm certainly not helping myself and probably then not being a help uh, or um, sometimes a good leader uh, to others. Right. Like one of my identities that I'm afraid to say out loud, but I think internally is that, and then I've recently in like the last 10 years, just I come out, come out as a smart person. Like people have a (laughs) lot of views about that. You know, the idea that I know that I can learn anything I want to learn is an asset to me and a gift that I've always enjoyed. Um, and, and one of the reasons why is I always distinguish that in school, I was the type of learner who did well with lecture regurgitate, you know what I mean? Lecture read kind of learning is I've met too many people who I know are smart, who think Mm -hmm. they're stupid because, and it, I mean, it almost makes me want to cry because some teacher somewhere told them because they, they're the type of person who learns like hand on hands on, or they're just a very Mm -hmm. active kind of person. So they could have defined Mm -hmm. themselves as a hand on learner, or they could have defined themselves as an active person who just can't sit cooped up in a chair. But because mm-hmm. they couldn't be cooped up in this room, listen to some boring person talk, which I loved, I find that exciting. They were mm-hmm. labeled as stupid. I mean, I've mm-hmm. heard teachers say to kids, and I hope they don't do it these days, you're never going to amount to anything. Like they've mm-hmm. literally done that. And they've, like I meet, um, and a lot of them are even men. I even have a little bit of sympathy for them. Like men who just couldn't sit still for that many hours mm-hmm. in a row because they're just active. And they go out into the world and they accomplish all these things. 
And then when they get to talking to me and we're using different terms or like I was a musician for a long time so I could read music. And they're these amazing musicians who are self-taught with these amazing mm -hmm. memories and all these they can learn by ear, all these phenomenal skills that are so hard to develop. And they look at me and I don't even define myself as a musician anymore. I used to, that used to be an identity, but I, you know, bilateral carpal and cubital tunnel now I can barely play, but they think somehow I'm more of a musician who could barely play because I can read music. And mm -hmm. I keep thinking because someone decided for them that that was something coveted and important, that they're diminishing their tremendous amount of talent or their own intelligence because somebody called them stupid a long time ago. And it's just gut-wrenching. Mm -hmm. It's gut-wrenching. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Right. And I think that it's, it's, it is hard to think about when people, when, when people have that force on them, I think then we can also look at ourselves and are we doing that to ourselves? And so what is it that we need to do in the moment to uh, take a moment to think about who we are, who we want to be and um, get something out and get something down so that when we are finding ourselves, either um, someone else is pushing something kind of negative onto us about our identity or we're doing it to ourselves if we have something and right I'm saying write it down because that I feel like is what has been helpful for me but not everybody needs to do that necessarily but if we truly have given it thought and been intentional about writing or there I go again and we've been intentional about identifying our our uh, different factors and traits then when we get into those challenging situations and we are maybe struggling with, with different parts of our identity, we have that, that sort of document, whether hard copy or internal, that we can go through and say, well, this is who I say I am. So how does that match with the experience that I'm having right now? How does that match with this person who's telling me X, Y, and Z about myself? Is that true? And if it is, then, man, I better come back to this, this sense of my identity and figure out how I'm going to either make some corrections or be more honest about who I am and the type of person I am uh, so that we're continuing to learn and grow. Um, but if it's not true, then have it and take that opportunity to stand up for ourselves if we need to do that in the moment or be able to just recognize that as that's that's someone who doesn't really know me that's someone who's having their own sort of issues and challenges and are trying to put something on me that's not real and we can let that go um, and not let us let it push us into a, a space for our identity that we don't need to be in or and certainly that we don't want to be in Right, because I think a negative identity leads to limiting beliefs. And mm -hmm. I can be okay. Like, for instance, I told you I took that Clifton Strengths quiz. And one of the, I was, you know, like um, speed reading all of their literature, you know, at a manic 4 a.m., you know, <laughs> I need to know everything about the universe moment. And mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, just sort of how I spend my time naturally. That's not just lockdown time, that's just how I live. And I'm reading it. And one of the things that they cite is there was, they did a study of people who are fast readers. And I was like, Oh, I'm already in because I'm a fast reader and people who are like just average speed readers. And they 
they tested them both and they, the people who did were fast readers, you know, read a little bit over 350 words a minute. And the average reader, if I'm remembering correctly, is about 250 words. And they gave mm-hmm. them both the same speed reading course. And then they tested them after, after. Now, the people who were average readers became above average readers. They, they did get to that 350 right around there. Um, but some of the people in the um, 350 group who were already above average were reading up to 3,000 and a little bit more words mm-hmm. per, you know, to be per minute, which mm-hmm. puts them in the fastest readers in the world, you know, top, top readers in the world categories. Mm-hmm. And so what they, what, and what they use this as a reason to say that when you play your strengths, you bring, bring something very unique to the world. So it's not a matter of thinking, oh, I am not that. It's a matter of saying, I'm very much this. And if mm-hmm. I have issues with something, like for me, I have some, I'll just call them execution issues, where, <laughs> um, you know, like the day-to-day little tiny details I miss in the many ideas and futuristic thinking. Um, but that just means that I can seek the assistance of somebody who is like, no, I see all the details. I'm methodical. I'm that. Without me having to verify, I'm a, you know, because for me, if I don't see all the details, then I start turning it into... Oh, you're always blindsided because you, 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 you never, you know, you're never paying attention. You're always in your head. You're like defining myself negatively when instead I could say I have this asset of being a future forward thinking person. I can be very strategic. I can think of giant concepts. I can imagine what is, I can weigh a lot of opportunities uh, mm-hmm. and I can use some help from somebody who is just naturally uh, gifted when it comes to being methodical and follow through mm-hmm. and, that kind of execution. And then also sometimes I don't work and play well with others. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I do know some people who are natural team builders. So, you know, why can't I have them join me? And Mm -hmm. I think that's a better way to look at it. Not that I could never build a team. It's that I'm so great at this and I know somebody else is really great with that. Why not work with them? Right. Right. Work smarter, not harder. Correct. Um, I, And I think, too, there is a really nice sense of relief uh, when you can recognize that um, you don't have to keep struggling against these things that maybe aren't uh, a strong point or a strength of yours. And you don't have to keep struggling with an identity that maybe isn't isn't authentic and isn't serving you. And just a small example um, and I haven't totally figured out how to reframe this other than to s- tell myself to stop saying it. Um, but one of the things I recognize, um, one of the reasons I tend to struggle is I um, am challenged with prioritization. Like I can get things done. I can follow through and do it. I just, um, I'm not one of those people who's a, you know, um, you do this and then you do this and then you do that. I'm pretty much like whatever's in front of my face is what I'm going to do. Uh, and I'm going to do it till the end. Um, which has caused me some issues with last minute sort of get it, meeting deadlines and that type of thing. So what I rec- what I had been when I first realized this telling myself is I just kept saying, I'm terrible at prioritization. I can't do this. I can't do that. Um, and I had to recognize how that wasn't actually helping me. <laughs> fix my own prioritization problem. I was just living in this space of, you know, feeling bad about myself for not being able to see that. So then I just had to kind of reach out. Like you said, I had to reach out to people who are good at that, get some ideas, get some, get a tool or two. 
Um, and now I can, I can recognize maybe prioritization isn't one of my strong suits, but I now have the tools to be able to do it so that I have a little more um, cushion when I'm trying to get different projects and things done. And that, I can do these things and, and not talk badly about myself. Right. Because when I talk badly about myself out loud, uh, people seem more apt to believe me at that moment than others, it feels. And mm -hmm. so it's like, mm -hmm. oh, people are really listening and remembering. And I've got to remember that, I mean, I don't have to be my own hype man all the time, but I don't have mm -hmm. to be my anti-hype man. I don't have right. to be the guy going around saying this rep group sucks when I'm in the group. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's so funny that you should say that because I literally have a method uh, for prioritization that I call the snooze alarm method. And it was me trying to uh, show that like one of my problems is I um, procrastinate and I want to show how that's like a, but, but, but I can say by, by being a procrastinator, uh, I do have a priority making skills and I call it the snooze alarm method. And it goes like this, just imagine it's the morning. Anytime you got a bunch of tasks, and you're waking up, but you're not ready to hit up. So you're hitting snooze. And each time you hit snooze, you're sort of distilling in your mind, okay, now I'm skipping the shower. Okay, first, you're not going to work out. Now you're <laughs> skipping the shower. Now you're getting your coffee on the way to work. Uh, and then sometimes it even get down to, I can be late. Do you know what I mean? But you're literally stripping your day down to the bare most minimum to like not get fired from your job. And even then you can go further if you're really lazy, you know, um, or you're really not feeling it at that moment. However you wanted to find that moment is fine by me. But I call that like the snooze alarm method. So whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed by the world, mm -hmm. I just go, okay, what is the one thing that I can do for myself that takes the least amount of energy, but I can get the most amount of reward for? Mm -hmm. And then I just do that. Right. And uh, then I can go back to bed or whatever it is and not feel as guilty as I would have. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it literally works. But I just find it amazing that uh, me attempting to label my procrastination and my I can't get out of bed lazy thing as uh, the one like I have a great prioritization skill like me trying <laughs> to do that is just hilarious. Like I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably why Brianna and I get along so well like this. <laughs> Like this podcast keeps moving forward when I was never able to start a podcast on my own. Mm -hmm. um, well, and there is something to be said for, like we talked about last week, saying things out loud so that you can have that shared sense of, um, I don't know if it's maybe not community, but just a shared um, experience and get the support that you need to be doing the things that you want to do. True. And interestingly, I've also found that the more comfortable I get with what I want, the less likely, and I can't remember when it happened. Ugh, this would be so much more beneficial if I had the exact instance, but I can't even remember because it didn't register. There is that mm -hmm. strange, once I've gotten enough support and it feels solid to me, there's the, um, oh yeah, I'll, I'll like to see that when you do it. There's a sort of, I'll show him. I'll show mm -hmm. them because mm -hmm. now, now it's, now that's just fuel for the fire. It gives it more right. of a, that's not me. Oh, I'll show you. You'll, you know, mm -hmm. I was so right in an argument uh, and I'm not going to do Facebook arguments anymore, but I was doing, I'd fallen into that trap for a couple of exchanges. And I was just like, you know, um, don't worry if that turns out to be true. I, I guarantee you, I'll remember this conversation. And I was <laughs> trying to plant into their mind that they should remember this conversation because time will show they're wrong. Um, 
and we're in it did end amicably. Oh my God, does that happen on Facebook just this one time? And I feel like that was a gift uh, from the gods and fate so that I will never make that, that thing again. But I will mm -hmm. say that identifying what you want and then mm -hmm. tying it to your identity and making sure not to fall into the false trap of, you know, assuming, um, getting into a negative identity or, you know, coming from an inauthentic place, not having a limiting belief as part of your identity can mm -hmm. lead to a sort, certain kind of insurance against mm -hmm. naysayers um, mm -hmm. because you're not that person. Like I've never really taken it to heart um, if somebody called me stupid because I've been considered a smart person for so long, like from school, mm -hmm. um, that it never bothers me. But if you call me ugly, I'm going to mm -hmm. die. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because I came from the old school dichotomy that women had to be either pretty or smart. Mm -hmm. right. And they don't do that anymore. At least I hope they don't. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and since I was definitely smart, I was sure I wasn't pretty. And then I sort of made that true, if you know what I'm saying. Yep. I invested zero time. I still don't. I mean, I still, I like just, just saw like 30 Rock uh, <laughs> clips on YouTube. And they talk about her having food in her hair. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, so I'm that. Interesting. Because uh, I have. They're like, people are like, what's in your hair? And I'm like, ah, oh, macaroni and cheese. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? I've just kind of, fought. but a part of that is uh, I just don't focus a lot of energy there because I don't find it as rewarding as other things mm -hmm. because I'm not good at it. <laughs> well, I didn't develop those skills yet, I should say. <laughs> right. And I think too, or it's just not a part of your identity. So it's not not important. And I don't mean that being pretty isn't a part of your identity, but, you know, spending the time that it would take to do some of those more cosmetic things, that's just not part of your identity. And that's okay. I think we also need to, we also, when we're doing this work, need to tap into or tune into how we feel because I think when you're living from that space of your true identity or that authentic sense of self, it feels so good. And it feels like you're in kind of just like working in concert. I mean, for lack of a, this is out there, but like working in concert with the universe, you're in the flow, right? Um, because you're living from that true authentic place. And I think we all know what it feels like when you're not because it feels terrible, um, and you kind of know just instinctively, like there's, I always have this thought of like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, why are you doing this? This isn't who you are. This isn't, you know, you're, you're, you're not really living from the space or as the person you're saying that you are or want to be. Um, so I think it's important to just really tune in to how that feels. It's interesting because like, I do appreciate, like, I watch makeup videos all the time because I find it, it looks like they're doing magic to me. It's, mm -hmm. And when I was younger, I couldn't appreciate, like, how much work beautiful women put into being beautiful. And to them, it's just natural. It's like people asking me, how do you know that? I'm like, oh, I don't know, because I read the internet at large. Like, I genuinely find it interesting to, you know, read weird stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, and my point being that, like, I feel like when you are being authentic with who you are, there's an energy to it. Mm -hmm. Wherein when I'm just trying to be open-minded, I find myself getting a bad haircut in <laughs> buying like too many cosmetics that I just keep in a drawer and feel awful about. 
you know what I'm saying? It's just like, this doesn't, I always end up with like some sort of weird, what I call like um, newscaster hair. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because somebody's decided that's who I'm going to be now. And I'm just like, I'm never going to be able to, I don't, oh, okay. So there's all these products that I'm sure are just going to ferment on my <laughs> bathroom shelf until I have to move. I mean, I've had, I have dusty products. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then all I could think of is, oh my God, that was a like a, I don't know, was that a hundred dollar hairspray? I don't know what they got me to buy. Cause in that moment, once I got shook, mm-hmm. you know, I now, now you're the makeup lady, you know what I mean? And I, I'm just like, and a million people can tell me I look great, but I just feel like I'm a walking Mary Kay makeup bag. Mm-hmm. You know, I just feel like I smell like someone else. Mm-hmm. And all I could think of is, I'm never going to be able to do this tomorrow. Like, this is just, I I feel like they just like engineered something on my face over the top of it. Like, Mm -hmm. like, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) like, this is an eyelash curler. This just looks dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That just doesn't happen to be a part of your identity then. And that is a okay. But I'm not, you know, but it used to be I'd have to put down people who were mm-hmm. like that when I was in my young, like my late teens. Sure. I was just like, I'm more substantive. And it's like, no, they just express themselves right. in an artistic manner that everyone can see. And I actually secretly appreciate. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, and now I'm just out with it. Like I genuinely subscribe to makeup YouTubers and go, okay, uh, yeah, maybe I'll do that. And then I just don't, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like I watch cooking shows and I'm like, Ooh, right. and I, I don't do that either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that I couldn't, I just, there's too many things to do in a day. Yep. Right. Right. So looking ahead to our mission for this week, um, as we talk about identity, uh, we've each talked about what it is we're hoping to get. And we think, right. We're going to, we're going to write something down. We're going to put yeah. it to paper. Yes, yes. We're going to write an identity statement, which I really like. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're hoping for uh, is to hear from all of you about your thoughts on your personal identity and um, any questions that you have, any pr- new perspectives that maybe we didn't talk about here. Uh, we want to hear from you. So you can email us at the positive view podcast at gmail.com. That's positive view, V-I-E-W, podcast at gmail.com. And we cannot wait to hear from you. Perfect. And so next week, we're going to be talking about um, the nature of uh, supply and getting what you want. Or what is the, how did we want to put it? Um, When uh, we were looking more about the nature of supply, and do you believe that you will always have enough? Yes, yes. Looking into figure out if you have enough. Mm -hmm. So make sure to tune in next week to that. Uh, But for now, have a really great week and we hope to hear from you. And I'm Christy Murphy. And I'm Brianna G. And we'll talk next week.